Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V in Lions right here on the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. And today, I am joined by a very special individual, a former fourth-round pick who went on to play 10 seasons in the NFL, including six as the starting safety for the Detroit Lions, the 2014 interception leader, the All-Pro with over 700 career tackles, with 24 picks, 10 forced fumbles, and two defensive touchdowns. Please welcome the one and only Glover Quinn. Uh, not too shabby. <laughs> not too ah, just shabby. excited to have you on here. And the people have to know just how special you were, not only for the Lions, but for the Texans as well. I mean, you know what? It, it, it turned out to be a, a, a pretty good career. Um, you know, I did things that I always knew I could do. I just had to uh, have the right opportunities to do them. And, um, you know, I tried to maximize those opportunities when I got them. And um, I can look back on it and say I've done that. So it, it, it turned out good for uh, for everyone involved. This episode of Believe in Lions is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and odds. Find all of the latest sports developments, including this week's odds for the Masters Championship and the start to the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on popular sports and games. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online, where the game starts. And you talk about maximizing your opportunities and you absolutely like you were a corner and a slot and then you moved to safety. You did it all into the defensive backfield, took advantage of those opportunities. But what was your favorite position in the backfield? Um, I probably would say safety. You know, safety was, um, you know, as as a safety in the secondary, you're, you're the one that's in control. You know, you're the one making making the calls communicating to everybody, getting everybody on the same page. So as a corner, um, you know, you have to do what the safeties tell you to do as far as the coverage, as far as the, the adjustments and things like that. Um, and so when I was playing corner, you know, 
I could always see adjustments that needed to be made. I can always see like the call that we should be in. But I was young when I was playing corners, and so I always had to wait for the safety. So I'm kind of looking at the safety like, are, are you going to make this call? Do you not see this formation? Do you not see what's about to happen? But I didn't have the power to make those calls. Um, and then when you're playing in the slot, you know, it's hard to play in the slot. You know, you got the run aspect of it. You got the pass aspect of it. So you got to learn the run gaps as like a linebacker. You got to learn the, 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 the pass drops like a linebacker. Um, you got to be able to cover the, the little shifty fast guys in the slot. Um, it's a lot going on in the slot and it was fun. You know, if you really want to, if you want to be in the action and you want to like, you know, really get your nose dirty and do things like that. Um, yeah, the slot is a, is a lot of fun, but for me, playing safety allowed me to kind of do all those different things. I was in control, able to see things, make calls, communicate to my corners and my slot guys and my linebackers. Um, you know, make the right adjustments for, for what I was seeing, what I was feeling, what was the game plan, what we were trying to get done for today. Um, and then, you know, you got the opportunity to get in the mix. You know, you got a, the chance to get down in the run game and make tackles. You get a chance to blitz. And then, you know, my favorite thing was, you know, being, being able to sit back and read the quarterback, make plays on the ball. So um, I, I will have to say safety was by far probably the the best one for me. And you did pretty great at it. We all remember you with the Detroit Lions leading the league in interceptions back in 2014. But it wasn't a consistent scheme for you in Detroit. You had to play under three different head coaches, two defensive-minded guys in Jim Schwartz and Matt Patricia. Then you also had uh, Jim Caldwell, the offensive guy. And then you also had in the Texans, you had an offensive head coach in Kubiak, but one of the greatest defensive minds in recent history in Wade Phillips. So what was it like playing in all those different schemes and having to transition on a dime? Um, I mean, I think, I, I don't think the schemes and, and the coaching aspects of it was, was that different. Like, you know, when I first got to Detroit, we'll start there. Um, Jim Swartz was a defensive minded coach as the head coach, but he was also in kind of what we considered or what the world probably considered his final year, or he was on the hot seat or he was whatever. So when those coaches are in those roles, they tend to want to be way more in charge, put it like that. Right. They want to do things the exact certain way because my job is on the line. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, When coach Caldwell got the job, he was the uh, offensive minded guy had a background in defense as well, but he was more like a supervisor. He let his offensive coordinators coach. He let his defensive coordinators coach. So, And he was kind of like the supervisor because he knew that there was things that needed to be done offensively. There were things that needed to be done defensively, and he knew exactly what it was supposed to look like. So if it didn't look that way offensively or if it didn't look that way defensively, he was kind of that guy that was, like I said, the supervisor. He wasn't just – solely focused on the offense or solely focused on the defense. He let the coordinators do their job. And then Matt Patricia was more of a defensive-minded guy, so he ran the defense. He wanted the defense done a certain type of way. He wanted the the defense ran a certain type of way. He was coming in as a new head coach, trying in his mind to change the, the you know program, all these different things. And so he wanted to come in and try to make a statement as far as him being a great defensive minded coach. So he was real strict on the defensive side of the ball. You know, 
if things wasn't going well offensively, yes, he would say something because he's the head coach, but he spent the majority of his time focusing on the defensive side of the ball. And then, you know, with Coach Kubiak, Coach Kubiak was an offensive-minded guy. So Coach Kubiak didn't spend a lot of time coaching or speaking up about the defensive side of the ball, right? Like you said, once we got Wade Phillips, um, Wade Phillips was running the defense, and Coach Kubiak ran the team, and he ran the offense. And so Wade spoke defensively, um, but Wade was kind of like Coach Caldwell. He was more of like a supervising type of D coordinator. His whole thing was, hey, I'm going to call the plays on Sundays. This is, the, this is the game plan. You coach your guys up. So the linebacker coach, coach your guys on how we're doing things this week. Secondary, coach your guys. So we spent a lot of time in individual meetings with Wade Phillips as opposed to team meetings. We would come into a defensive uh, meeting with Wade Phillips. We may be in there for two minutes. You know, really? Once everybody got in there, he may be like, all right, guys, uh, it's third down day. So, you know, we got to cover them. We got to be able to blitz them. But, you know, we just got to find a way to get out the field. It's third down day. All right, break up and see your coaches. All right, so that that's kind of how a meeting would be with, with, with Wave. You know what I'm saying? So he wasn't one of those coordinators that was going to keep you in a defensive meeting room for an hour, hour and a half, installing and all that stuff. No, he's going to let – each individual coach go through their install and install it how they want to get things done from you know what they've taken from the staff meetings and stuff like that so all of them was was a little different um but at the end of the day you know if you're a defensive guy you got your coordinator you got your your position coach you got your system and you're just trying to hone in on every detail in that system that will allow you to go out and play well and play fast on Sunday so that's about it yeah, it's interesting to see how different coaches run it and the amount of control they want versus a hot seat coach versus a new coach versus a supervisor, as you said. I personally really enjoy the supervisor model because it empowers everyone. And as Dan Campbell has said, a true alpha knows when it's time to concede because he's admitted Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, they're on the same level. They're both alpha mindsets, they're competitive, but you have to know that you're not the be-all, end-all. No matter how great you are as a coach, you still could be wrong. And that's one of the things that excites me about this new Lions organization. Have you paid much attention to Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell coming in? You know what? I, I haven't. I haven't paid that much attention you know i see some of the things i see you know i follow the lines on on the social media so i see some of the stuff and you know he seems like a uh a really good guy you know um fiery you know wants to be involved with the team and and, and you know do things the right way and so you know the team you know tends to you know um follow that mindset follow that leadership um, but like he said, you know, as the leader, you also have to know when and how to, I don't want to say follow, but you got to know how to kind of, you can't just be all about me all the time, this, this, and this. You have to be able to listen to other people, take suggestions, um, lower your ego and all those things and understand that we're all here to try to help everybody win, everybody be successful. So, um, 
never been too big to listen and, and take advice and even listen to your players. You know, your players are the ones that are out there having to to do everything. And so if a player, you know, especially respected players, veteran players are saying um, they're feeling a certain way or this is coming across like this, you have to be able to take those things into consideration and adjust your approach because you don't you don't want to lose, um, you know, your players having your back because they feel like you are above them. And so you you want to you want to have that good relationship with your players as well. And what I find interesting about this new Lions staff too is it's a lot of former players that are in coaching roles. So hopefully that does result in more listening to the players because as Jerry Ball and I have talked about in the past, you got to listen to the on-field talent. They're the ones making the, the making things happen. They're the ones executing the assignments and so if you're putting a player in position to fail, if it's something they know they can't do, you're setting the whole team up for failure. And the goal should always be to put the best product on the field and to win as much as possible. And again, you had to do that in a variety of different ways with a variety of different partners in the backfield. Because when you came to Detroit, it was Louis Delmas. Then you also had Diggs, James at a Digbo. And... You also had Tavon Wilson. So how long does it take to develop that chemistry with your safety partner? Um, you know what? It it take it takes a little bit of time to to get a true chemistry. Um a lot of it depends on the game styles of each of each person. You know, like when I first got there, you know, Lou had been there for you know four years already. He kind of had a reputation um with the team, with the city. And, you know, I was kind of the new guy coming in. So Lou kind of had a way that he liked to play, um, the side that he liked to play on, and he was respected in the organization for that. So, you know, I wasn't tripping. You know, he wanted to play on the the right-hand side of the field all the time. So bumping, I played the left. So when I was with Lou, we didn't really have a true strong safety, free safety, because he wanted to play on the right side the whole time, and I was on the left side the whole time. So, you know, if the tight end came out on the left side and we were in, say, a man-to-man coverage, then technically I was the strong safety because I was the one rolling down on the tight end. If the tight end came out on the other side, then technically I was the free safety because Lou was the one rolling down on the tight end because that's just what he felt comfortable doing. Um, you know, when I got with James ahead of both, James Ahedabal was more of a in-the-box safety. He was a true box free, uh, strong safety. So when I was with him, it didn't matter left or right, wherever the tight end was or wherever the rotation of safety was at, Diggs was going to that side and I was going away playing the free safety. Every now and then we would switch it up and I might go down and get a blitz or do something like that. But we tried to keep Diggs in the box and, and down so he can play to his strengths. And then I could stay back and play to to my strengths, you know. And then, you know, Tavon was kind of a little different. He wasn't a true in-the-box safety for his size-wise. He wasn't a 6'2", 230, you know what I'm saying, one of those bigger box-type safeties. But he was good in the box for shooting the gaps and being able to get in there and make tackles and covering tight ends and things like that. Um, he didn't really um, – excel as much i guess playing as the free safety being back in space and doing things like that so when i was with him we would try to keep him down in the box as well but understand the things that he could do and things that he didn't like to do uh then i got with quandre 
man, Quandre was kind of like the same body, right? He was, you know, a shorter, stockier, you know, started out as a corner, you know, just like me, um, and, and transitioned to safety. So, man, Quandre could do a lot of the same things. So we could play it kind of like Lou and I was playing it, right? He could be the strong at times. He could be the free at times. I could be the strong at times. I could be the free at times. So it was just kind of different how, you know, how each person played. But you got to go through the practice reps. You got to go through the time to understand each individual. And, you know, in meetings, having conversations, seeing what guys are comfortable with. I preferably didn't have, you know, that much of a care. I, I felt like I could do at all there was things that yeah i probably would have preferred to do but at the end of the day i felt like i could do it all and so whatever would make my partner comfortable that's what i was willing to do um because that that that's what it was about to me building that relationship building that comfort so that they can go out and play to the highest level that they could play and i trusted that i could go out and do the same thing regardless of what position that i was put into um so just practicing every day meetings talking cafeteria lunch all those different things where you just get to know the player more get to understand them more um and it just kind of goes from there you know when i first when Diggs first signed out there well james ahedibo he actually lives in houston where i live and so we actually started working out together um and so we just started building a relationship throughout the summer just working out and then you know once we got to detroit we just kind of hit the ground running I think that first uh, offseason when he got there, I don't think I was practicing that offseason because I had just came off of ankle surgery from my first year in Detroit, 2013. So I didn't go through any of the OTAs with the team. Um, so training camp was my first time having like a practice with with James Ahedibault. But we all, like I said, we had knew each other from the workouts and stuff that we had been experiencing and dealing with over the summer. So we already had a, a respect for each other and kind of understood each other. And so we were able to kind of hit the ground running. That's so interesting, the way you describe that relationship and having to get to know each other on a more intimate and what our strengths are kind of level. Sounds very familiar to almost a quarterback and receiver or a quarterback and center type relationship. And one of those quarterback receiver relationships getting a lot of hype right now is your former teammate, Matthew Stafford, because even before the season, he was going for brunch with Cooper cup every day. They became best friends. And now you get to see your former teammate win a super bowl. So what was that like for you? And what was it like when you were playing with Matthew Stafford? Well, Matt, Matt, you know, he's always been one of those guys that, you know, considerably had probably one of the best arms in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You know, he's always had a great arm, strong arm, can make any throw on the field. And so to see him go to um, to Los Angeles and, and get a change of scenery, um, get a different motivation, a different chip on his shoulder, um, all those things, and then to, you know, culminate all that with a Super Bowl win at the end. Like, it takes a lot to win a Super Bowl. That's, um, you know, that's a huge feat. And he was able to stay healthy for the most part. You know, he had some ups and downs throughout the season, you know, had some good stretches, had some bad stretches. Um, but through it, through it all, they stuck with him, and, and he kept working and kept building that relationship. You know, it's, it's tough when, you know, you go into – 
um, a, a team like LA, you know, is the big market. It's national. Is is you know everybody. All eyes are on you, right? They brought you in to to right the ship. You know, what I'm saying they had you know a good team, and they felt like you know maybe Jared Goff was the reason why they couldn't get over the hump. Well, they went and got the guy that they wanted. Now it's a lot of pressure. So it takes you know it takes a special individual to be able to handle that. And Matt's definitely one of those guys. You know, he's kind of been in the spotlight his whole life. You know what I'm saying? Coming from coming out of high school, going to Georgia, uh, true freshman playing and, you know, getting drafted, you know, as a junior, young, signed a huge contract before the draft even – I think he was already signed before the draft even happened, right? I believe um, he was, so, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he's always been that, and, that guy. And so he was able to handle that. And then he, you know – Coming in, building a relationship, going to going to brunch, going to lunch, hanging out with your receivers. Those are the guys you're throwing the ball to. And so, you know, when you're having those conversations off the field, you get to understand the person. You get to understand what makes them tick, you know what I'm saying, what they like, what they don't like. And so that helps you when you get on the field because you have a comfort level. Y'all have talked about situations that they like to be in situations you don't like to be in throws you like to make throws you don't like to make routes they like to run routes they don't like to run you know things that they like or when they see certain things you know what hey this is what i like when i see this this is what i'm thinking so when you when you can build that relationship off the field and and have you know a little more you know backbone to your relationship it helps you on the field because now you're understanding each person you see you know what they're seeing and that always helps a quarterback with his wide receivers that helps a quarterback with his center with his you know i'm saying guys that we got to have that connection because there's so much going on right it's thousands of people cheering guys are moving like we got to be able to see the same thing and we got to be able to communicate to each other without actually having to say a word to each other we got to be able to look at each other sometimes and know that we're both seeing the same thing like it's kind of like a yeah are you seeing what i'm seeing and you, we got to know that, yes, we're seeing the same exact thing. Or are you feeling what I'm feeling? Like, do you feel it's, – it's, it's just a lot of that stuff that goes into it that it takes that connection, it takes that that chemistry that you have with them off the field to be brought onto the field. A lot of times you have, you know, guys that you haven't played with and you don't have that connection with. And, you know, if you guys aren't seeing the same things, if you guys aren't feeling the same things, if you guys are not on the same page – then that's when you see guys not playing to, you know, the the level of their capability. And that's kind of when breakdowns and coverage start happening. You start seeing the free receiver down the field. No one wants to see that. So that's why those relationships are so important to build. And with those relationships, it feels in Detroit, even when people leave, on somewhat negative terms, such as Quandre Diggs. I know we're, we won't go into that, but he still loves the city of Detroit by all reports. Matthew Stafford still very much involved in the community of Detroit. So what is it about the city where and even if you don't agree with the coaches, even if you leave with a sour taste in your mouth, what is it about Detroit that keeps people coming back and kept you in Detroit for not just one contract, but I believe two. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I, I think a lot of it has to do with just the, the culture of, of the city and, you know, the understanding of, of the city, you know, when, when you come from the outside, 
you can see and hear all the national talk about Detroit, right? The good, the bad, the, the, the not so really good and, you know, all those different things. And then when you come into the organization, you know, you kind of have, um, you know, you kind of have that pressure on you as well, right? The whole world feels this way about the Detroit Lions. And as a, as a good hearted individual, you appreciate the fans that continue to come out and support um, to continue to feel, you know, Ford Field um, and, and make it, you know, a really, really, really nice place, right? And so when you come out there and you're trying to change the organization, you're trying to do things and bring, you know, some national respect to not only the the team, but also showcase the city of Detroit as well. You know, when you get that that reciprocation from the fans, you know, they love you. They come out to training camp. They come out to the games, you know, but they are hardworking, true fans. You know, if you're playing well, they're going to they're going to tell you if you're not playing well, they're going to tell you as well. And I think as a player, you know, you you grow to respect that and love that. And, and so when you do leave, you know, I'm sure there's guys that have left Detroit that may not have been there for a long time and they probably don't have the same love and respect and care for for the city but you know when you got guys like Stafford right Stafford was drafted there right so that organization gave him an opportunity and he grew up there basically I mean I think he was 20 when he got drafted and so you know the Lions were coming off I think 0-16 and 08 and he got drafted in 09 so he came in with a huge huge pressure on him and the city rolled with him through a lot of ups and a lot of downs right then you look at, you know, myself, the Detroit Lions were the first team to reach out to me in free agency, you know, wanting me to come in and help change the organization, change the franchise. And so they believed in me. And so I wanted to reciprocate that. And, you know, I had success on the field. So the fans um, loved that part as well. Right. The Detroit Lions drafted Quandre. So they gave Quandre his opportunity. So a lot of times, you know, when you have those situations, especially with good people, they appreciate the fact that you believed in them, you gave them an opportunity, and they're willing to do everything to try to fulfill, you know, their obligation, their duty. And, you know, you have a good relationship with the fans. And so when you leave there, you know, even if it was something that, you know, had to do with the organization, like Quandre getting traded, um, you know, Stafford or my situation, all those different things that has nothing to do with the fans. And so that has nothing to do with the city. That's just a business type of thing. That's an organizational type of thing. And so you still have love for the city. You still have love for, for the fans that, that cheer for you, that, that continue to still support you, uh, even though you're on a different team, because I mean, they understand that as well. It's a business and, and things don't always work out you know, how they want it or how you want it. But at the end of the day, it's still, it's still love there and support there. So, um, I mean, at least that's for me, you know, how, how it plays out. And of course there's always going to be some negative fans, but it truly feels in Detroit that everyone just wants the best for each other. They want the players that come to Detroit to succeed. They want the players that choose Detroit to succeed 
And even when they leave, they still continue to support them. We all saw the Detroit Ram shirts, which were very controversial, but it just speaks to the love that Lions fans have for Detroit Lions. And once you're a Lion, for many people, they're a Lion for you're the rest always of your a lion. life. <laughs> no question. And, you know, like I said, for me, I, I still, I still, you know, interact with um, fans from Detroit. I mean, most of my social media following is is probably from Detroit. So, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I got on a Detroit Lions shirt right now. I mean, I still, you know, I wear hoodies and all types of things that, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a cool thing, man. And you know, like I said, I got much love for for the city. For the people in Detroit, like I said, very hardworking people. And, you know, when you see how hard they work and, and how much uh, the city wants to win and how much the fans want that 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 winning team, that 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 Super Bowl, um, you want to do everything you can to try to deliver on that. And, you know, we got, uh, you know, we had some good years. You know, my years that, that I was there, we had some good years, brought some excitement, brought some. I think when I first got to Detroit, we might have had two national TV games. I think we always had the Thanksgiving game. Mm-hmm. But I think we had one Monday night game against um, maybe the Giants. No, maybe the Ravens, I think, when Justin Tucker kicked a 60-some-yard oh, yes. field goal on us. You know, they beat us by all field goals. I think that was a Monday night game. And those were the two national TV games that we had in Detroit, you know, my first year, as opposed to – I think my fourth or fifth year, my yeah, I think we just had like five national TV games. You know, we had the, we had the, you know, obviously the Thanksgiving game. We would have Monday night games. We would have, you know, a diff, another Thursday night game, uh, Sunday night games. Um, so we had we had some good years. Like I said, we never we never got all the way over the top to to where we wanted to be, but we had some good years. Brought some excitement to to the city, to the fans, and. You know, unfortunately, took a turn, and you know, hopefully, uh, Coach Campbell can 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 get it back to where where it was and and exceed that level. Yeah, we've got our fingers crossed for the success of Dan Campbell. We're really hoping for that. But in general, it feels like a great time to be a Detroit Lions fan because we've got Hard Knocks coming up this summer, so we're gonna get an inside look at training camp. Then in 2024. The draft comes to Detroit, and in a couple weeks now, the draft comes up. The Lions have two firsts. They have two thirds. They have a bunch of late picks, too. Great time to be a Detroit Lions fan. And so with the draft coming up, any thoughts on the preparation process or what the Lions could or should be looking to do? Um, You know what? You know the preparation for it is 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 the the biggest thing, right? You you have to for one evaluate your team, and and know exactly what you need, and then you have to be able to look at these prospects and see, okay, who can come in and help us right now, and who are some guys that we feel like can help us a little bit right now, but they definitely could help us as they you know develop and and get older and, and learn how to play. And so, um, I think you, you're sitting there with the number the number two pick. I think um, who has the number one pick? Jacksonville. Jaguars do so indeed. Jag- Jaguars drafted, you know, Trevor Lawrence. So 
as long as they're happy with, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you don't see them drafting a quarterback um, number one overall. And so you're sitting there with the Lions with the number two pick. You know, if you believe in, in, in Jared Goff, then you're not drafting a quarterback as well. Or, you know, I, I don't feel like you draft a quarterback that high for him to, you know, sit behind, you know, Jared Goff. If you're going to draft a quarterback that high, then he's coming in to be your guy and you're going to ride with him. You know, you're going to know, you know, you're going to have some growing pains, but you're going to ride with him. Um, and maybe Jared Goff may be his backup, you know, so that he can at least, you know, help him learn, teach him how to be a pro and, and study and do all those things. And so if if, you, if they're thinking quarterback that, that high, then it's, you know, whoever they have perceived to be the quarterback that can lead their organization run their offense the system how they want to run it and that's the thing that is you know for an organization it's, it's kind of tricky because you got the the perception of the world and then you got the perception of what we need right so the world may look at a prospect and say oh my gosh he's the best prospect out here for this position but if I'm studying film and I'm studying my offense and I'm studying what we do, he may be the best guy, but what we do doesn't really fit what he do. So he's the best guy, but he's not the best guy for us. Mm-hmm. This guy is the best guy for us, but a lot of times it may not be the popular pick for the fans, right? So you have to be able to understand that, hey, this is who we need to fit us. Right. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of things about, you know, them taking a the quarterback Malik. Um, and like I say, he may be the best quarterback on the board. I don't know. I haven't really got all into the draft stuff. Those are just the reports that I see. Um, but like I said, what if his style doesn't fit Coach Campbell's offensive style and what they have going on there? Is that the right pick to make? I don't know. Um, you know, you just signed Tracy Walker to uh, a, a, a three-year deal, right? So you feel good at the safety position. What well, do you draft, uh, you know, a top safety coming out? Um, Kyle Hamilton, what's his name, I think? Yeah, Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, from, from Notre Dame, right? Do you draft a guy like that that high? Do they feel the same way about him as the world feel about him after going through the scouting and the combines and the pro days and all those different things. So it's a lot that go into, you know, drafting. And like I say, when you got the number two pick, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty, you know, pressure packed pick. Right. So, and it's a lot of different things that could happen. Like I say, if they're happy at quarterback, they may not feel like there's any position that we technically need a number two overall pick, right? So maybe yeah. we can trade the number two overall pick and end up with like the number six pick and then another second round pick or first round pick. You know what I'm saying? You just never know how you make and flip that pick to get more picks to get guys that you need to fill out the roster if you feel like we're set in certain positions, right? Do you, if you feel set at the quarterback, do do you have that that show stopping wide receiver that that you feel like you need right? And if you don't, do you feel like there's a guy that's worthy of the number two pick at wide receiver? Right? Do you have the cornerback that you need or you feel like you need 
to run your defense? Do you have the offensive tackle? I think they still got Taylor Decker, right? So you may feel good right there. Do you have the defensive tackle or the defensive end? There's so many things that go into like those pillar positions. And it's like, okay, if we have those guys in place and we really just need to build around them, let's take this number two pick and turn it into three or four other players for us. But if you don't have that that guy, then you got to take that guy and say, we're going we're gonna to build around you. And so I don't know exactly what direction they're going to go in. I really don't. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though. And that's honestly one of the reasons, again, I think it's such a good time to be a Lions fan is there's so many options. I don't know that there's a correct one right now. I know there's people... They have their hard stances. You got to take the Michigan kid, Aiden Hutchinson, or you got to take quarterback, or you got to do this. Do you have to do anything? Because where the Lions are, there's a lot. They they're building their roster, but they've got time to continue to build it and continue to build it. So trading back always a good option. Plenty of talent in the draft. It's an exciting time to be a Detroit Lions fan because of the draft because of hard knocks, because of the 2024 draft in Detroit, and because we all get to hear from Glover Quinn today. So Glover, thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you have any pluggables that you got to plug before we get out of here? No, nah, not right now. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, I'm 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 kind of getting back into, you know, the digital media space, obviously, um, doing the podcast and, and getting back out there a little more, been getting settled back in. But uh, I definitely have a couple of things I'm going to be plugging coming up uh, in the near future. A few things that I'm working on, things that, um, you know, cooler projects. So um, don't have anything right now, but uh, I definitely will. will have some things coming through the pipeline. Cannot wait for that, because if you're saying it's a cooler project, it has to be pretty damn cool. No so question. once again. Once again, thank you for joining us. Everyone, make sure you check out our friends over at betonline.ag. And until we see you again. I believe, I believe, I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.